0: All right so uh tonight uh the hope is that we will be able to finish off this uh, this first chapter of the uh of the Hushar, the one where he discusses um a person's obligation in this world in the extent of the obli- uh, of one's obligation in where one's focus should be and then uh starting next week we'll see uh what we'll do we'll probably do something Tisha B'Av related shocking on the right before Tisha B'Av. And then afterwards, so then we'll see. Maybe we'll do this uh, this Khinuch series, which uh, which I was thinking about. We'll have to see. But in the meantime, so let's go ahead and finish this off. Okay, it's there on. Oh, now it's is there on the screen? Looks good. Looks good. Okay. It's not about how you feel. It's about how it looks, or something like that. Oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to move it on my... Is it moving around on your screen or it's just fixed? Got bigger. Bigger, okay. There we go. Okay. So here... So here says the Messiah make it a little bit bigger. Oh, too big? Okay. So he says, V'hine <laughs> So he says, once we now understand the importance of our focus on Avodos uh, Hashem and uh, the, uh, the necessity to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all the things that, that we do, Navin miyad chomer hamitzvos asher aleinu. So we understand immediately, right now we're not going to translate for the moment, we're not going to translate the word chomer, but the chomer of the mitzvahs which are upon us this word chomer has one of two meanings. Either it refers to the weightiness or the severity of something, the importance of something, something which is very chomer, something which is very severe or something which is very important, you could use that word. Or sometimes chazal, go ahead and use the word chomer to refer to a precious stone or a jewel. But either way, it's uh, it's illustrating, it's emphasizing the importance of understanding the nature and character and importance of mitzvahs, the kar ha'voda ashibia, and the value of service of Hashem, which is in our hands, which we are expected to do, and is in our hands to go ahead and perform. Kihine, Elohim Haimsaim. Because the mitzvahs which we do, he's not even talking about davening, he's not even talking about davening is a mitzvah, but not davening in the sense that we would give it extra emphasis by itself, or even ha Torah, or even Torah study, giving it special importance to itself. But the mitzvahs which we do in general, these are the means, hamavien Osanu el Hashlema Samiti, which are going to bring this, bring us to a state of wholeness and completeness. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're all trying to become an Adam Hashalin. We're all trying to become a complete person. A person who's completely dedicated to Hashem. And the, uh, the, uh, the path in order to be able to get there is through the performance of mitzvahs. Asher Bil Adam Lo Yusakla. And without doing these mitzvahs, without connecting to the mitzvahs, making them a, an essential part of our existence, so then, uh, it is not going to. We're not. We're, uh, we're. We're not going to be able to achieve that goal of true connection with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So this is the way, and he's going to say this is our purpose in life, and this is the way by which we're going to be able to achieve that uh, that purpose. V'ulam, however, Yadua, it's well known ki ain magia, that the goal is not going to be realized. And here he's going to say something which is absolutely fascinating, I think. Um, we're not going to achieve that goal until we go ahead and we gather together all the emtsayim, meaning all of the different mitzvahs which exist, all the different uh, pathways which are going to get us to our goal. So you have to pick up all the pieces along the way. And which are going to be used in order to facilitate, in order to help us reach our ultimate uh, reach our ultimate goal. So this is something which is essential to uh, to understand. And in the commentary over here, he's taking this from the Ali Shur from Revolva Sefer. So let me uh, read to you a little bit of the uh, the passage which they, uh, which I have quoted in front of me. He says, "It's a beautiful uh, perspective on Torah mitzvahs in general." He says, he says the totality, when you think about the 613 mitzvahs, is 613 separate and independent mitzvahs. But the truth is, says Revoba, that they're all part of a single system. They're all parts of a single system. Because we say in Mariv, we say, because they are our lives. And when you think about your life in your existence, we don't think of it in terms of my hands' existence, my toes' existence, my elbows' existence, my nose's existence. We think of it in terms of I'm alive. In being alive, a human who's alive is comprised of all of these different body parts, and we don't separate them. We don't distinguish them one from the other necessarily. El Gufu organism echad hanose But the collection of all of the different limbs uh, uh, comprised together make up a single organism which contains life. So too, all 613 mitzvahs which we do, they're all part of Chayenu, they're all part of our spiritual lives, and therefore they're inseparable one from the other. So you can't go ahead and isolate, you know what, I'm this type of Jew who does this mitzvah, but I'm not really so uh, into that type of mitzvah or this set of mitzvahs. It uh, it's not really true. I'm, I'm into fingers, but I'm not really into toes. I don't like toes at all. So as far as I'm concerned, we can just do away with, uh, with toes. So that doesn't really work, because in order for life to exist, so you need all of those different things. And now he says, beautiful, he says, Kach torah be kalos <laughs> v'chamuros. So the Torah and there's a mission in Perkei to this effect. The Torah doesn't differentiate between what we consider to be more weighty mitzvahs versus those mitzvahs which we consider to be less weighty, easier mitzvahs. Uben sugeha hamitzvos or the different categories of mitzvahs which exist, to tell us as if to say that one category is more important than another. Kol hamitzvos heim organism All of the mitzvahs together. Are, constitute a living, a single living organism, comprised of all those parts. And if you go ahead and you leave out even a single mitzvah, so that's going to constitute a blemish and a deficiency in a person's existence. Same way that you could be missing, he talks about missing a fingernail, you could be missing a toe, you could be missing a, a finger, whatever it is. But if a person disconnects from a particular mitzvah, so that leaves a deficiency. The person is no longer whole and complete. And he says, So we know that one way that we could break down, we could categorize mitzvahs, is that there are some mitzvahs which are between ourselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then there's another category of mitzvahs, which are between ourselves and man, and other people. gam And if a person is going to be in oved Hashem b'shelmos, if a person is going to serve Hashem fully, so they have to be, uh, they have to excel both in the ben adam as well as the ben adam lemakom. And we know that some people they tend to focus more on the ben adam lemakom. And they sort of disregard the Ben Adam Chavero. And there are some people who emphasize very strongly the Ben Adam Lechavero, and to the detriment, or they're not so focused on the Ben Adam Lemako between you and Hashem. And a person who's going to be an Adam hashaleim, a person who's going to be whole and complete, so they need to uh, excel in both categories. And similarly, Hare Yesh Chobas Halavavos. So there are some mitzvahs which focus on the attention of our heart. Where is our mind focused? Where is our our heart focused? Davening is one of those things which is very much mind and heart related. And then there are other mitzvahs which involve our limbs, where there's actually a mitzvah to do, there's an action of a mitzvah to do. And it's not so much focused on the thinking that goes together with that mitzvah. It's very much focused on the mechanics of the mitzvah, making sure that the mechanical part of the mitzvah is done uh, properly. And once again, if a person is going to be a a, a true servant of Hashem, so the person has to realize that all of these different components are all going to be part of the same organism, they're part of the same system, and a person has to be able to excel and has to be focused on making sure to achieve all of that. You can't start cutting corners here or there, because cutting corners here or there means ultimately that the person is not going to reach their state of perfection. Then he says, back in the Messiah, he says, uh, the, uh, And according to the way we are going to our approach to you, to the mitzvahs and the use of the mitzvahs, the way we perform the mitzvahs, so the more effort we put into the mitzvahs which we do, so the greater the outcome is going to be, the stronger the outcome is going to be in the performance of the, uh, of the mitzvah. And he says, um, and he says also, this is in the regular commentary, he says, um, because when a person is performing a mitzvah, whatever mitzvah that happens to be, but during the time that a person is performing a mitzvah, and this is a time where the results or the outcome is not yet evident, it's not yet uh, visible before us. So we're putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort in terms of the, uh, the, uh, the practice and in terms of the, the, the doing. So, so it's very easy to think that what you're doing is successful. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You can think of it in terms of if you ever watch any of these uh, these videos or any of these uh, you know things having to do with Olympic athletes, like Olympic swimmers or Olympic uh, sprinters or something like that, where we don't really think in terms of the um, um, the mechanics of what they do. The uh, the 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 movements, which they do, how precise their movements need to be, we think that the Olympic caliber athletes are just stronger than everybody else. They have stronger shoulders than everybody else, and that's why they're faster. And we don't realize that technique, that's the word I was looking for, The technique is incredibly, incredibly important, and technique can make the difference between uh, achieving a medal and not achieving a medal. And for those of us who are untrained, so we don't really see the difference between somebody, who, the technique of an Olympic caliber uh, athlete, somebody, the technique of somebody who didn't make the cut to make the Olympics, somebody who's just a college, you know, swimmer and somebody who just, you know, swims laps for exercise, uh, you know, to, uh, to keep fit. So, but there's a dramatic difference in terms of technique, but you won't notice that until uh, you're actually, uh, you know, put to the test or something like that. But it was man SMS. But once you get to the end of the, the race, let's say, you see the, uh, the truth that when the final thing is done, so then it may very well be too late to go ahead and fix it. So there's all sorts of corners which would, one could cut along the way. But if you cut corners along the way, then you're going to end up with an inferior quality product. And when you get to the final product, then you'll realize and you'll be able to see all of the deficiencies in all of the quarters which you cut along the way, they will jump out at you and they'll become evident to, uh, to people right away. One of the things that, uh, that Shloymi, my, my little Shloymi and I used to do is we used to, uh, 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 we used to watch episodes of I forgot the name of it now, but it's where they, they go ahead and they make swords and knives. It was a reality show where they, would, they were given a tax to make a particular thing, and then they would test it out. They would take these newly manufactured knives, you know, reminiscent of, you know, what Genghis Khan soldiers would use or something like that, and long swords and short swords and all sorts of uh, forged in fire, that's what it's called, forged in fire. And then they would test it by stabbing things and banging it and seeing whether or not how strong the blade actually was. So sometimes you would see that people in the process of making it, so they're like 75% of the way through and the knife falls apart. Then they have to start again and there's a time limit. There's only a limited amount of time that they have to be able to make it. So when you only have 25% of the time to go ahead and make the entire knife, so you have to cut corners. And then when you look at the knife as they present it, you can't see that there's anything deficient about the knife. You can't see the weak construction of the knife at that moment. But as soon as they go ahead and they start whacking something with it and the blade like shatters or the, uh, the edge of the blade dulls almost immediately. So you can see right away that this guy didn't put in the necessary time in order to manufacture a high quality blade because he cut too many corners. Sometimes they wouldn't put a screw through the thing and to make sure that the blade doesn't come out, they would just glue it in. So all sorts of things, which on the outside, you can't see the difference, but once you test it, so then you'll, you'll, you'll notice right away that this is poorly constructed. So here, the, uh, the mysterious Shasharim is warning against uh, falling down, falling into that trap where one may think that they're doing the mitzvah, Because in the outside it looks like they're doing the mitzvah, but the truth is they're doing it in a very weak, poorly poorly constructed manner, and as a result of that, they won't realize the impact of that or the weakness of that of what they did until it's already too late. And therefore, how how does how does the individual know as he goes along whether his uh, technique and his form are effective uh, without without a coach? Yeah, we are we're gonna to get to that in a moment. One second. Very good. So he says, um the whole uh, he goes on to say, the whole where'd go? The uh, the, whole, yeah, fresh the whole hefresh cotton the whole hefresh I couldn't find the, the cursor. The whole hefresh cotton she matse and any small deviation that he does. So at the end of the day, when the, when the thing is going to be tested, and we're going to see how strong it is or not, so that is the time that it will be evident that you cut corners, you tried to take shortcuts, and it didn't, uh, didn't manufacture it in a quality way. And he says, and that's going to be at the time at the, when it's already too late, when you're being tested, meaning after 120, and you get before the basin, it's only then that it will ultimately be revealed that the person spent time taking shortcuts rather than actually doing it in a thoughtful and responsible way. The Zed And this is clear. And therefore he says, Me'ata varehu sh'hadituk she'yiduktak al'inyan ha'mitzvah So therefore, it's very clear that the care and the attention which is necessary uh, uh, to have when performing mitzvahs, so you have to make sure that you are doing it with great precision and great accuracy. To the same degree, the same way somebody who's measuring gold, somebody who's weighing gold, so they're not going to go ahead and just guesstimate. Eh, it looks like an ounce or two and just go ahead and assume that an ounce or two of gold. It's it's close enough. I don't, why, why do I need to be so accurate? So usually those types of things, they measure with great precision. And in the same way, somebody is measuring obviously like uh, the weight of a diamond. So the weight of the diamond is something which is going to be very precise. And if you go ahead and start fudging the numbers, or you start saying it's close enough. Why do I need to be so exact? So that will cost somebody thousands of dollars, potentially thousands of of dollars to go ahead and do so. So that's the mindset which we have to have because because their ultimate value emerges when we look at it in the big picture. We're not looking at individual mitzvahs, but we're looking at the big picture of things. (laughs) The and the eternal value she'en, sorry, she'en manu, because there's nothing which is more valuable than that. And we have to understand that this is where our focus needs to be, is that when we're doing the mitzvahs, not that we should become OCD about the mitzvahs, and we should become the, to the point where we come um, um, uh, stuck. Uh, constantly doubting whether or not we 're doing it correctly, but we need to make sure that we are doing it correctly with the proper focus and now we 're going to get in a moment to the uh, the uh, the uh, focus that one needs to have on that in the test that one has whether or not they're doing it correctly because made uh, him, and what we learn from this is now this is where he 's now beginning to summarize this chapter that their main function of our existence in this world, hurak l'kayim mitzvahs, The purpose is to be able to do mitzvahs, to serve our Baruch Hu, and to be able to uh, endure or experience or successfully go through the challenges, he calls the nisayon, the test, we're going to say successfully manage the challenges which we face in life. That's really what the, what we're trying to, uh, to accomplish. And he says over here, this he says from, I'm not sure the say, it says, So he says a very powerful idea. Getting closer to your point, uh, Al. He says, We see over here, It's possible in theory for a person to go ahead and do the mitzvahs, but his performance of mitzvahs does not constitute It's not serving God. And it's not because the person did it incorrectly. It's not as if he went ahead and he took, uh, um, you know, a, uh, an apple tree branch rather than a lulav. And that's why he's not getting credit for the mitzvah of lulav. It's has nothing to do with the fact that he did it wrong. But the reason why his kiyum, his fulfillment of mitzvahs is going to be deficient deficient, is because he was not focused on doing it as a means of serving Hashem. That he wasn't focused on what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to go ahead and and accomplish it. And when a person is going to examine their behavior, and their connection to mitzvahs. So their focus should not be exclusively on the maizah mitzvah, on the action of the mitzvah, whether he did it with all of the details necessary or not. But, uh, so that to make sure that mechanically he did everything he was supposed to do. But you also have to go ahead and be focused on whether or not your intention to serve God was an essential component of that process, or were you doing it for some other reason, uh, some other reason uh, altogether? So this is an essential question that we need to ask ourselves as we are uh, as we are doing mitzvahs, as we approach Torah mitzvahs, to make sure that our intention is something which is also aligned with Torah and with uh, with mitzvahs. And he says, Hano's ha'olam, uh, back to the Messiah Sushar, ha'olam, and the benefits of this world, the pleasures of this world, so their function is only to be an assistance and to be something which is going to uh, help us. It's a means to an end. That's, the, uh, that's why we go ahead and we indulge in whatever it is that we uh, whatever physical pleasures we have. In order to go ahead and serve HaKadosh Baruch properly, that we have a pleasant spirit and we have a settled mind. We're all familiar with what happens when we get hangry. So if you don't uh, eat enough, so then you get uh, edgy and you get a little bit uh, more irritated than if you do go ahead and, uh, and eat properly. And therefore, when eating, so you're not one should not be focused exclusively on whether or not the food tastes good and how does this make me feel, in terms of taste, in terms of the pleasure, the enjoyment that one has, but one needs to be focused on the fact that this eating, this food which I'm eating, is going to give me strength, and it's going to allow my mind to be settled so that I can be best focused on whatever part of Avodah Hashem I want to engage in. And he says, Laman, yuchal lefanos libo el havodah zo, so that one should be able to go ahead and clear his heart, to be able to do the avoda, to be able to do the, uh, the service of, of Hashem, which he's, he so greatly desires. I just saw now, about uh, an hour ago, I saw a, a blurb that one of Revel Yashiv's grandsons, so he took care of his grandfather, and he said that his grandfather, religiously, would sleep between 10 and 2 he go to sleep at 10 at night, and he would wake up at 2 in the morning. And at 2 in the morning, he would get up, and that's when he would start his learning for the day. And that was, a, I think he took a nap during the day a little bit, but he slept from 10 to 2. And Rabbi Re- was very disciplined, and 10 to 2 meant 10 to 2. But sometimes, the grandson said, he would wake up sometimes every half an hour, and he would look at the clock, and when he would realize that it's not 2 o'clock, he, said, he would say, Oi, it's not yet 2 o'clock, I can't learn yet. And then he would go back to sleep. So he knew he needed to sleep. He knew he needed those four hours of sleep a night, but he wanted so badly to learn. But as much as he wanted to learn, he knew that if he didn't have those four hours of sleep, then he wouldn't be able to learn well. So he was on the one hand, he's hollishing to learn. And he was disappointed when he would wake up and realize that it wasn't yet time to actually get up and start uh, start learning. So this was his attitude towards sleep. He wasn't like, ah, Baruch Hashem, I have another hour before I have to get out of bed and I can enjoy my bed, and I can enjoy my pillow and all of that. That wasn't his attitude. His attitude was, I know I need to sleep because that's necessary to be able to learn, but I really wish I didn't have to. So he had his, uh, his values aligned with Torah, uh, you know, obviously very, uh, very strongly. V'amnam, ra'u shetia rak'la the ideal Ovid Hashem, the ideal Mivakesh, is the type of person where all of his interests, that's how we'll go ahead and we'll translate Pinyaso, all of his interests and all of his curiosity in everything which he is uh, leaning towards doing, all of that is only to be able to serve Hashem. loshum and ideally, everything which a person does, without exception, should revolve around Avod Sashem and nothing should be outside of that. And they tell stories of, uh, you know, Gedolim, who every movement which they had, there was no random movements which they did, and everything which they did was calculated, and it was thought about ahead of time, it was done consciously. And if it wasn't deemed conscious, if they didn't decide consciously to do that, so they just wouldn't move. They would just sit there completely still and did not, uh, did not uh, randomly move. They certainly did not have ADHD and uh, you know, the willies and uh, you know, they have incredible zitzvah. And he says, Veat vim katan vim galo, and re- regardless of whether the action or the activity is something which is small or something which is large, elav but the person's focus is exclusively on getting closer to Akash Baruch and the goal is that the, there's a recognition that there is a barrier or there's a separation between yourself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and the task is, the goal is, how do I figure out how to break down that wall? Um, like uh, Ronald Reagan said to uh, Gorbachev, you know, tear down this wall. So, how do we figure out how to tear down this wall in order to be able to get closer and closer to Akhenish Baruch? Hu? And that is our exclusive, that should be, ideally, that is our exclusive focus. How are we going to go ahead and accomplish that? And this includes everything which is involved. Even our physical activities have to be and can be seen from that perspective as part of my Avodah Hashem, like even sleeping. Now here, uh, Al, we get to the line that that I was waiting for. Until the point where a person feels drawn after God, like iron is connected, is drawn towards a magnet. Even a like like simchas based on the water drawing. So the stone which draws, that's the way in Tanakh we refer to a magnet. So just like there's an attraction, a, a a natural attraction between iron and a magnet, and if the magnet is strong enough, so it can actually pull the iron closer to it. It could create the connection. So that's how uh, in uh, the ideal ovid Hashem is somebody who's going to be drawn after Hashem in a way where it's an irresistible urge. I can't stay away, I can't stop what I'm doing in terms of my avoda sashem because I just feel this compulsion to go ahead and get closer and closer and closer, and it's mamish, It's an irresistible thing. And he says, that uh, in the, what is this? Um, the Alishur, once again, Revoba says, that, Kashem Meshicha Zu Matchila once a person feels this connection, this attraction to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where you feel that you're drawn naturally towards him in this irresistible way, then at that point, So you no longer have to drag a person using iron chains to go ahead, and when they're kicking and screaming, to do Avodos Hashem sometimes with kids, so you try and get them to do mitzvahs, and they don't want to do it at all, and you have to incentivize them, and you have to use all sorts of tricks in order to get them to do whatever it is that you want them to do. But hopefully at a certain point they reach a level of maturity in their avod Hashem where they feel this natural draw to be able to do the things which they do, and it's not even going to be a challenge anymore. This is just part of who they are and what they are, and it's something which comes natural. And that's how you know that you've achieved the ultimate success, when you feel drawn and motivated automatically towards the mitzvah which you're doing, and you don't feel that you're fighting yourself, or that there's resistance that you're facing in order to, uh, to do it. Because it's at that point that you have a real taste of what Avoda Hashem involves, the sweetness of avodas Hashem, and once you've had a taste of that, it's like an addictive thing. It has an addictive quality to it, and you can't resist. It. Again, this is something which is like so beyond uh, imagination. But he says that the truth is, is that every aspect of avodas Hashem has a different taste to it. So there's a different taste which you should get out of each of the different mitzvahs which you do. In the same way with food, you don't want to eat the same food as good as it is. You don't want to eat the same food day after day after day. We like variety in uh, in terms of what uh, what we eat. So too, mitzvahs each one has its own taste. Torah u'tfila, Shabbos u'brachas. So Torah, studying Torah, has one taste to it. Davening has another taste to it. The observance of Shabbos has a third taste, and making brachas has a fourth taste kavana litum tam and the goal is to develop your palate nimshach to the point where, come Shabbos, you're just halishing. It's not just for the cholent or for the uh, you know the, the potato kugel at, uh, at Kiddush, but you're actually drawn towards the pleasure and the sweetness of Shabbos. That's something which is going to be so you so strongly anticipated because you recognize what a sweet and enjoyable taste it is. So that's the goal of our Sashem Hashem to be drawn towards it in such a strong way, and he says, and this also L uh, addresses what you said also from Avoba, he says, haray magnet mamish. He says when it comes to matters of kedusha, so there is a there's a magnetic quality to it. hahebdel be and understanding this idea of the magnetism of mitzvahs, now you can understand a fundamental difference between mitzvahs versus avevas. When it comes to a mitzvah, so a person can experience true pleasure. magnet. Because when you taste the true essence of a mitzvah, so then you'll be drawn after it the same way iron is drawn automatically, by nature, into a magnet. But when it comes to being drawn after imagination, the the imaginary pleasures of Averas, of what Averas in sins, in just plain physical pleasures, draw after us, there's no natural magnetism towards that. It's something which a person feels compelled to do, but it's not a natural thing. Because when it comes to an Aveira, there's a strong draw to the Aveira. That undoubtedly is true. Anybody who's done an Aveira, so that they know that there can be a very strong draw. Not myself. But there could be, a very, I've been told, that there's been a very strong draw towards the Aveira, but the draw towards the Aveira ultimately is illusory or imaginary. Because as you know, anybody who's been drawn towards Avera, so you know that in the moment that you're doing it, you may find it to be pleasurable, you may find it to be exciting, but then it doesn't give you anything afterwards. There's no durability to it, and there's no long-lasting thing which you want that is going to give you any sort of uh, long-term satisfaction. But real pleasure, real eternal pleasure, and Avera is never going to be able to do that for you, as opposed to mitzvahs. Mitzvahs do provide that for you. So that's a way that you can see whether or not you're on target. Are you feeling motivated to do more? Like the Mishnah in Perkei says, that mitzvah, goreris mitzvah, that if you're connected to a mitzvah properly, so then you're going to feel drawn and compelled and motivated to do more mitzvahs. So that's how you know that you're on the right track. But if you do a mitzvah and you're resentful about doing it, or you don't feel anything, you say, you know what, this is a waste of time and energy and expense and all that stuff. So that indicates to you that that mitzvah which you did is not in line with really the way the mitzvah is supposed to be, is supposed to be uh, fulfilled. And therefore he says, And whatever you could come up with on your own, which you think is going to serve you, to assist you in getting closer to God, you should pursue it, and you should seize it, Hold on, hold on to it strongly, and don't even loosen your grip on it. Don't loosen your grip, the way the Moforshim explained, is that sometimes somebody wants to take something from you, so if it's not so valuable, so then rather than fight them about it, and strengthen your grip, you'll just let go of it, and let the person go ahead and take it, because it's not worth fighting about. But says the Messias Hosham, when it comes to our pursuit of mitzvahs, this has to be something that we grow, grab hold of, and we hold on to it very strong, not willing to let go at all. And whatever a person perceives as an impediment towards getting closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's what menia means, that it's going to be an impediment that's going to get in the way. So you run away from that like you run away from fire. So as we all know, when there's a fire, you don't put your hand right up to the flame and then just leave your hand there because that's already too hot. That's already too close for comfort. If you're actually going to be involved in if you're actually going to be involved in, uh, uh, near a fire so what you need to do is you need to stay a safe distance away so you don't inadvertently go ahead and get, uh, get burnt in the, in the process like the Pasuk says that my soul is drawn after you meaning meaning our entrance into this world, our, our uh, entrance into this world, in our existence into this world is only in order to be able to uh, achieve this goal, is only for this uh, goal of ultimate connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. the Hainu, which is, to be able to achieve this closeness with God, and we need to shield and save ourselves, save our soul from any impediment in anything which would detract from achieving that goal. So we need to be laser focused on what I'm trying to accomplish, and not allow any uh, anything to go ahead and become a distraction, which is going to take away from that, take away from achieving that goal. Again, this is the highest levels which we're trying to achieve, but it's important to know what our where we're headed so we don't get uh, you know, sidetracked and then realize five, 10, 15 years later, that, oh my gosh, I made a mistake long ago, and now look how far, you know, off, tra- off track I am. Vi. And behold, Amita So after we know, and after it's been clarified to us, this principle, the importance of this principle. So now he's introducing the rest of the safer. So now that we know what it's important to do, and this is like with any curriculum that you go ahead and you set. If you're going to go ahead and develop a curriculum for a school, let's say a K through eight school. So the way you develop the curriculum is you have to first decide what do you want your eighth grade graduates to be able to do? What do you want them to know? And what skills do you want them to have? And only once you have that picture of what your final product will look like, then you work backwards, what do they need to be at the beginning of eighth grade? What do they need to know at the end of seventh grade? What do they need to know in sixth grade? And you could work backwards, 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 till when they enter the school in in, in kindergarten, but it's only going to be once you know what your final product is going to, should look like. So here the mysterious Hashem says, now that we know that our final goal is to be able to be exclusively focused on our Avot HaShem, and this is what all we're going to be uh, uh, focused on, to exclusion of all else, so then, once we know that, now we can go backwards and we can explore all of the little steps, the baby steps along the way, which need to be achieved and need to be traversed in order for us to be able to reach that final destination. And then, now we can explore all the way from the beginning of our vodas Hashem, all the way until the end. And that is... And the way that the Messiah, the layout of his Sefer, is based on the famous teaching of Rav Pinchas ben Yair, in his teaching, which we went ahead and we introduced in the introduction to the, into the book. So there's chapter one, but there's the introduction to that, which are, now he's just going to list them. He says they are, Hazihirus, Zirus is care to make sure to do mitzvahs. Zrizus is somebody, the, the need to be quick. Alacrity, I think, is the way they normally translate it. But it's the way to be quick in doing things. Hanikiyus, which mean, would mean cleanliness, making sure that there is not schmutz along the way when we are doing mitzvahs. You don't want to shmutzify, if we could coin that term. Shmutzify, the mitzvahs in the, uh, the in the process, or tefillahs in the process. Hapricious is learning to separate yourself even from those things which are technically permitted, but they're indulgences and you don't need to uh, do them. Hatahara is reaching a stage of purity, purity of action and purity of behavior, purity of the mind. Hasidus, chasidus doesn't mean to be Hasidish, but Hasidus over here means to go beyond what's required of you, beyond the letter of the law. After that, the next stage is ha'anava. So humility comes much later down along the, uh, the process. Yiras and that will eventually lead to a person having a proper frame of reference of themselves towards chet and how damaging chet should be. It's not simply something that you shouldn't do, that there's a no-no, like running through a stop sign, but it's something which has very severe consequences to the pristine nature of your neshama, of your soul. the And eventually that leads to kedusha, that leads to holiness, where not only is your soul, not only is your soul going to be something which is pure and something which is sacred, but your body also becomes sanctified as a result of that. So these are the steps along the way which a person, the stages which a person must go through in order to reach the final destination. And now he says, and now we know. Now that we know what the mile markers are going to be along the way in our journey, so then the rest of the sefer is to go ahead and to define each one of these traits and to discuss the method of acquisition, how to go ahead and uh, uh, make sure that you successfully go through each of these mile markers so that one will uh, successfully reach their final destination of this complete connection with uh, with Hu. okay so that is uh, that's our uh, task over here as far as the uh, the this first chapter of the Messiah of describing for us, presenting us, what our obligation is in this, uh, this world. And as we said, next week, uh, hopefully we will uh, see a piece uh, related to, uh, uh, to Tisha B'Av. Did somebody actually put up their hand over here?